World Wildlife Foundation. World Wrestling Federation. Welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and video games. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we are going to talk about Marvel movies and then, I think, video games. Yeah, I have a video game to talk about. Yeah, strap in, America. You're going to have to wait for that, though, because we need to talk about a Marvel movie. Matt, what did we watch? We watched Captain America, colon, The First Avenger. This one was directed by Joe Johnston. I believe of yes. Honey I Shrunk the Kids fame. No way. Yeah. This That's... man this man is a veteran. Oh wow. I remember like looking up the director and being like this guy has been directing movies much longer than anybody else who's directed a Marvel movie. That is actually very interesting to me. Uh I did he not realize that at the time. Also directed Jumanji. So he has Jumanji? He has a lot of familiarity with Matt, with a uh, Did you special just call effects. it Jumanji? Jumanji. Jumanji. Isn't yeah. it Jum- Jumanji? No, if you use the African pronunciation, <laughs> it's Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to follow you there. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, What's a... Uh, so Captain America, the first Avenger... 2011. Uh, released 2011. in some territories that might not have been as friendly to America as the first Avenger. <laughs> yeah. uh, people who went to see it in for a rude awakening. <laughs> uh. All right, so let's just jump right into the recap. It's been two weeks since we saw this film. Yeah, so I have the feeling our that, schedule got screwed up. Yeah, I got the feeling that our recap is going to be a little thin, but that's probably okay because you're all watching along with us, so you've seen it recently too. Yes, I'm sure that you are up to date, um, but let's do this thing. So, Kicks off in the Arctic, kind of like a, a very John Carpenter's The Thing vibe. It is so much yeah. uh, homage. Uh, the military... Uh, it is a Jumanji to The Thing. <laughs> The military flies in. They've got a bunch of helicopters. They find this weird kind of like uh, rocket ship type thing. Plane. Plane thing. Craft. And it looks very alien, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's very alien. They go inside and they find something that is surprising to them. Immediately, we jump back in time to like 1943 or something like that. Yeah, middle of World World War War II. W. The war so nice they said it twice. World Wildlife 2. Um, and they, so you have this, uh, Agent Smith, the, whose name I can't remember, Elron and a- Agent Smith. What is that actor's name? The guy who plays Agent Smith. Who plays Agent Smith. Uh, I think he's Australian, but he's there. Is he really? Yeah. Well, in this one, he's a German. He's a German. Yeah. Sometimes he's British. Sometimes he's Australian. Sometimes he's Elvish. He can do anything really. Yeah. Um, he shows- I literally never realized that he is in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He's That's Elrond. that guy. That's yeah. that guy. Yeah, in Revendell. That's that guy. Um, Whoa. So, <laughs> this recap is already too long. We are off the rails. <laughs> he shows up in Norway in World War II, because we've jumped back in time, and he's looking for the Tesseract. And so he's like in... in like He, he did some sort of like temple or something. or something? Yeah, and Filch from the Harry Potter series is there. Yeah. And he tries to ward him, ward him off, and like, I won't tell you where... 
where the thing you're looking for you is. You can't look at it directly yeah. and stuff. He's all about that. Um, it turns out that Agent Smith is actually looking for something called the Tesseract. It's like another glowing cube. There's a lot of these glowing cubes. There are a lot of movies. glowing cubes in these movies. I can't tell if they're all the same glowing cubes. And from what I hear, later on, there's going to be a bunch of like glowing stones. <laughs> so... <laughs> Lots of MacGuffins. The Marvel movies are really into colorful MacGuffins. I will say, I actually like this one a lot. It was alright. We'll get yeah. to we'll get we'll to get my to why it's kind of it cool later. later. Yeah. Um. He gets the thing. He kills Filch. Uh. He then, Filch is like, don't look at it. Yeah. But he's like, I'm gonna look I'm at gonna it. Look and he it. looks at it. And he's he's happy. And like music stinger. Yeah. We cut away again. We go to America. Still the middle of World War II. <laughs> uh, I, I assume at the, essentially the same time period, and we have a. Young Steve Rogers. The what? world's smallest man. I am still amazed at the CGI. It's good. For they, the era? 2011? Yeah. I, I actually really wonder eight year, eight how they CGI. did some of it. Like, I understand that they just had a small actor and then they pasted Chris Evans. Yes. That's that Chris? That Chris. They pasted his face on there and, like, thinned him out. Yeah. But the way in which he actually looks at people around them as though he is legitimately shorter. It's very impressive. It like It's a little uncanny valley, but it's not so bad that I was ever like, this is trash and I can't focus on the movie. I actually like v- was very rarely taken out of it. And yeah. I sort of forgot that this was not just Chris Evans. <laughs> I, I can't believe they made him so short. Yeah. He's was, an incredible actor. It's pretty cool because they could have used just like Hobbit camera tricks or something. I'm sure that they, in some cases they did. They probably did. Yeah. But anyways, he is the world's smallest man. Yeah, he's very, very, and very... his friend is a total Chad. Yes, but like a nice Chad. Yeah, he's a good dude, but he's getting all the girls. Yeah, and his friends like I'm joining the army. His friend's name is Bucky Barnes, which is worth noting. A very comic book name. Oh, great name. Yeah, I wish I was named Bucky Barnes. It's not too late. Good point. You have control over that. Um, so Bucky Barnes is like, I'm enlisting in the army, blah, blah, blah. Steve Rogers is like, all I want to do in life is enlist in the army. I keep trying. I keep lying to the enlistment people, but they don't want the world's smallest man in the army. <laughs> Go figure. So he's enlisting this one time, and Stanley Tucci happens to be there. Stanley Tucci is playing a like scientist doctor who he, works with the army. Yeah, he is like... A doctor who is evaluating people ostensibly to join the military, but in this case, he's like, Steve Rogers, I know what you're doing. You keep trying to get into the army, and we keep rejecting you. And then he's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to kill Nazis? Steve Rogers is like, I really want to kill Nazis. (laughs) Uh, And Stanley Tucci's like, we can make that happen or something. Yeah, he's like, all right, this once. And (laughs) And he lets Steve Rogers into the army. So um, then we get a bunch of Steve Steve Rogers in boot camp. He's like doing all kinds of stuff, not as well as other people. Um, and this English chick, who I don't, why is she English? She's because like Britain and the U.S. are allies, allies in World but War. They just II. did they just send her over for like for for like moral support? I'm she's not the sure. only woman around. Well, this is all a very good point. Yeah. They probably addressed this, but I'll be honest, I missed it. Yeah. Maybe she's MI5 or something, and she's actually spying on the Americans. Whoa, dude. It's probably a very That's, I, I like the plot that she's you're making up in your head. She's a double agent the entire time. Well, she has her own entire TV show after this. Really? Yeah, they gave her, I think it's like two seasons of a TV show. Huh. Yeah. In any case, her name is Agent Peggy Carter. I'm not sure if she's Agent. Maybe she's just Peggy Carter. <laughs> um, but eventually, she's Agent Peggy Carter. Uh, okay. Uh, so, Peggy Carter, Stanley Tucci... Um and Tommy and Lee Rogers. Jones and then Tommy Lee Jones is like the captain or j- he's whatever. like the leader of the leader the of military training yeah and he 
freaking hates Steve Rogers. Because Steve Rogers is a little wimp. Who let this shrimp into his yeah. battalion? He's no Charles Atlas. Totally. And they're so they're out there. They're like doing all these exercises. And then at one of these things, they're all running, right? And they yeah. run to this flagpole. And then the sergeant is like, whoever can get the flag from that flagpole gets a ride home. And everybody tries to climb the flagpole and they can't. Yeah. And then he's like, nobody's ever gotten that flag. I've been doing this for 45 years or something. That doesn't yeah. make sense. But, you know, he's been doing it. Yeah. Since World War One. <laughs> right. And then Steve Rogers bringing up the rear because he is the world's smallest man and has tiny little legs. Uh, sees the flagpole. And unlike everyone else who tries to climb it. He realizes that he can pull the peg out from the bottom. The flagpole full, falls over. The flag hits the ground, which I'm pretty sure gets you kicked out of the army. No, it's not the American flag. Oh, it's it like the a, American It's flag? like a green flag. Oh, that's smart. Something. Yeah. Come on. He's uh, Captain America. That's true. Uh, and he picks up the flag, and everybody's like, that was some nonlinear thinking. <laughs> and Peggy Carter, like, pats the seat in the Jeep next to her, and he, like... Moses on over and gets and it up takes in the seat. him an hour to get there on his little legs. <laughs> but he doesn't let it go to his head, no. which is much larger than the rest of him. <laughs> it is, is his head is very large. Um, so we we learn from this that Steve Rogers both wants to kill Nazis and is a smarty pants. Yeah, he likes to think outside the box. Yes, exactly, because what he lacks in brawn, he makes up for in brains. Hence his very large head. But we're still concerned. Does he have a heart? Is he a good guy? Right. And so cut to another training montage in which uh, a bunch might of be soldiers a are all There are a lot of, There's a lot of montages in this movie. film. Yes. It's so many. I like lost track of what parts of it are montage yeah. and what parts are film. Um, I, I believe that they're all just standing around and Tommy Lee Jones is like, lecturing them or something and tommy he, lee jones is talking to stanley tucci and stanley tucci's yeah. like i like the cut of this steve rogers guy's jib and tommy lee jones is like i hate steve rogers <laughs> uh sorry go ahead and then I, is it tommy lee jones who yes. takes a grenade that we believe to be a live grenade yep. pulls the pin and tosses it into onto the ground in like, front of all the soldiers in the midst of all the soldiers yeah. who are doing like push-ups or something all of whom immediately flee except for steve rogers who throws himself on the grenade right and this is how we know he is a good guy and, and honestly in comparison to uh Bruce Banner being nice to the most beautiful woman in the world <laughs> to demonstrate that he is a nice guy. I think that this is actually a Much pretty good demonstration. And I actually really, spoiler alert, enjoyed this part of the movie quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the movie yeah, as well. Yeah. I really, really like it. Uh, also worth noting, there are several long shots of Peggy Carter that imply maybe she has feelings for this man. If only he weren't so tiny. Right. He is so small. She can't wear heels. <laughs> there has to be a solution. <laughs> Um, so at this point, I think we cut back to the Nazis. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. The Nazis are doing things. The Nazis are doing things. Really, the Nazis are trying to like harness the power of the Tesseract and the Nazis want to kill Stanley Tucci. Correct. Yeah. They want to kill Stanley Tucci. So they, the, the Nazis, Agent Smith, essentially being this prime nazi like a he's well, high up in the they're, in the they're part of hydra, hydra which is some like splinter faction of the nazis that seems to want to stage a coup against the nazis yes like they are worse nazis which is honestly extra really impressive because they're like extra bad nazis but they seem to be less genocidal than the actual nazis and more yeah. occult power obsessed in many ways because like i think that disney doesn't want to touch that 
and honestly, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that I'm too. I don't really want to be reminded of the Holocaust <laughs> in the middle of this movie. Right. I, I am totally like, sure, that's kind of messed up, but I'm also fine yeah. ignoring that for now. So they decide they want to kill Stanley Tucci because he has, he's been coming up with some sort of an idea, some sort of special super soldier serum or something that's going to create a a like army of supermen that will that will come in like ubermensch ubermensch yeah do, do you understand so we might be jumping ahead to reveal this but it really doesn't matter for the plot we learned that agent smith also got injected with some superman juice yeah it just wasn't Was, as is, is stanley tucci like a defector i think so yeah because he does have a german accent so okay that makes sense yeah so, so that clears that up yeah so we learn that agent smith is actually red skull and he got juiced up with the super dude juice, it, but it melted his face off. And gave him a really bad blush. <laughs> yeah, and his like he's got this weird red skull. Yeah, for a head. <laughs> for a face. Um uh so he's a he's a bad dude. Yeah. And everybody looking at him, you have no doubt that he's a pretty bad dude. He's very bad. So then cut back to America where Stanley Tucci is like, you have, says to Captain, not yet Captain America, but Steve Rogers, you have a good heart. You got brains, kid. I, uh, I want to help you out. So we're going to give you the super soldier serum. Juice you up, boy. Juice him up. So uh, in some undisclosed location in some major city, was it like New York or something? I can't remember. Yeah, there's somewhere. They, uh, they open, like they have this lab and um, they put, uh, they put Steve Rogers into this giant phallus, phallus, phallus giant hollow metal phallus. And worth, worth noting, Howard Stark is there. I was just going to say, All at right. some point they're like, Mr. Stark, are you ready? Like, oh man, it's Tony Stark's dad. Not played by John Slattery? No. So very confusing but there. A, still good casting for Tony Stark's yes, dad. Yes, definitely looks like Tony, looks even more like Tony Stark's <laughs> yeah, dad than like John Slattery. Better casting, yeah. actually. Um, so Steve Rogers goes into this thing. There's a bunch of steam. He like starts like crying out. Peggy, Peggy is like, oh God, it must be hurting him. Stop the, stop this. And then you hear Steve yelling from inside. No, I'm getting swole. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I can do it. And you're like, I don't know that we necessarily needed that, but okay. <laughs> and they juice him up real good. And then they crack open the phallus Ugh. and He's like a Greek god. <laughs> he comes out amid all this steam, and he Woo! is just, he could give uh, Mr. Thor a run for his money. Dude, yes. He is suddenly, and I believe that Agent Carter at some point approaches him and like lightly touches one of his pecs. Yes. He is He is glistening. It turns yes, out that you sweat, sweat a lot yes. when you get jacked like this. So he was lifting in there. <laughs> uh, and he's like way taller, and yes. he is just yoked. The dude is huge. Yeah. Uh, it's all very impressive. <laughs> it's all, it is very impressive. But Steve Rogers' best day suddenly turns dark. Yes. Because the assassins take this moment to strike. Oh. And they kill Stanley Tucci. Right. And then Steve Rogers, newly yoked, takes off in chase yeah. to get the Nazis. This is our first like real action scene where yes. he's just chasing this uh, assassin through the streets of this city. He eventually catches him but not before the assassin can take a cyanide pill. Yes, so his attempt to avenge is thwarted. Yeah. Meanwhile, Stanley Tucci is dead, and with him, the super soldier serum has apparently, you know, also We can't juice up more dudes. He never wrote it down. Yeah. Well, why would you? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So at this point, 
uh, Captain America goes on tour. This is a montage that I would call interminable. Interminable. I liked it initially. The the it's premise a, of it is yeah. good. It's nice because you assume like, okay, Captain America is going to go out and kick some ass now yeah. that he's like officially like jacked jacked but no because he is too important because they they're trying to reverse engineer the super soldier serum by studying him he's too important to be put on the front lines so instead he becomes a figurehead for the war and they dress him up in these like captain america's outfit but they're like pajamas yeah (laughs) and uh he is with like these pinup girls selling war bonds yeah and he is a hero to children everywhere and he's just traveling around the u.s selling war bonds um then they decide, and they call him captain america they call him captain america so it's it's a nice little kind of meta commentary and good origin and good, thing yeah it's it's clever and he's got a shield and he's got a shield it's probably made of like wood or something yeah it's like it's like a shield looking shield not yeah. the cool disc that we will later see not the death frisbee they give him later um so at some point they send him to italy to kind of like entertain the troops over there the troops like him less than the children. Yes. <laughs> this is very clear, is that he is sort of like, they are underwhelmed by him, perhaps because things are sort of shitty. And recently, um, a group of soldiers went MIA while across enemy lines. And in that group of soldiers is Bucky Barnes. Our boy's old friend. Steve Rogers. So Steve Rogers bro. hasn't gotten to show, show off his new bod to his buddy Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's really eager to do. This is like the reveal portion of the uh, Queer Eye episode. Yes. Where he's like, I just want him to see how jacked and beautiful I have become. How much I have changed. Yes. Um, so Captain America decides to disobey orders and go across front lines to rescue Bucky and his uh, band of... Brothers. Of brothers. <laughs> Essentially, this is just the Warriors 3 again. When we were looking, when I was looking through the Wikipedia to remind myself of this, every single of these minor characters like has his own Wikipedia entry. I mean, that's cool. Because they're all like comic book characters. Right. Like that. We don't get that much no. time with them. They no, are they Nameless all... Soldier 3, 2, and 6. Yes. Um, anyway, Captain America goes beyond enemy lines. It is a rousing success. He rescues Bucky, kills a bunch of Nazis doesn't even have his shield yet he's still wearing his pajamas he's still wearing the pajamas he's hitting people with his dumb prop shield he is obviously very strong yes uh everybody thinks he died no he returns with the whole group of dudes walking down the road pretty obvious way to return but hey who's gonna fight this guy he's super jacked everyone's really impressed Except for maybe Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones just kind of hates Steve Rogers, even when he is clearly the best option for America to win the war that Tommy Lee Jones ostensibly wants to win. Yeah, it reminds Tommy Lee Jones of his youth and Mm. his his own like aging body and all the ways that it is letting him down. (laughs) Um, So in any case, after this, they allow Steve Rogers to go out into the front lines. They give him, I believe Howard Stark gives him the Captain America shield. Well, yeah, they're like showing him different shield options. Yeah. And that shield is made of vibranium. Which is what the Iron Man suit will eventually be made of. Is it? Yes, I believe so. Oh, because they say that the shield is the only vibranium they have. I think, but that's because Iron Man is in the future. So all of a sudden vibranium is much more common. Oh, I did not realize that. Okay. Yeah. Because like, I like the idea that like there is only one shield. I think at the time there is only one shield. Okay. So So he's got this cool new shield. Yeah. And it's like totally indestructible and can stop bullets. 
Yeah. Very important. Cue montage number four. I know. Suddenly we're in another montage and he's kicking ass. It's just Captain America going around punching Nazis. <laughs> throwing the shield. Throwing the shield. He's getting good at it. He's just like, he's... Just, he's doing it with his bros. It's yeah. fun. I am, I am at this point starting to wane in my enjoyment of this movie. I'm still but, enjoying the movie. But it is definitely like the montages sap a lot of that energy. Yeah, they really do. Finally, one of the montages turns into an actual mission where they're going to go do something that I don't exactly remember. So, well, at this point, like we, the Nazis are trying to like actually like attack America because like With, the like, Hydra, weapons. well, Hydra wants to like usurp the existing Nazi regime. And so they're like, hail Hydra, we're going to go and do our own dirt, our own dirty deeds done dirt cheap. Uh, and, uh, but they don't know where the Hydra stronghold is. So yeah. they're trying to get to the Hydra stronghold. So um, They being the Americans. So Captain America, uh, Bucky, and like his band of, of brothers band all of go, brothers. they go on this mission where they like jump onto a train and they're fighting through this train because this is, they're going to try and find the location of it's the fight. Very the snow piercer. Stronghold. Yes, it's it's it is very also a Chris Evans movie, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. That dude loves fighting on trains. He does love fighting on trains. So they're fighting, they're fighting. At one point, Bucky uh gets thrown from the train and disappears into a crevasse. Yes. Presumably dead. Steve is very upset. Understandably. Manages to track down the Hydra agent and gets the information about the stronghold location from this Hydra agent. Yes. So Probably some other things happen. I think he and Peggy maybe have a few moments where romantic connections are set up. Probably. Yeah. Like, I, I, there's also, also, what's her name from Game of Thrones is in this. She is in this. Yeah. One of the Terrell, the she, Terrell. What, lady. Is, what is she doing she's in this like, movie? She's like, she's there for a couple minutes. Yeah. She's there for a couple minutes just to like try and seduce Steve Rogers. We need to record closer to when we watch We clearly these. do. Our, but like, our she scheduling has like two did lines, not work out. But Peggy sees her kiss him, even though Steve is like a little into it yeah. because, you know, it's Marjorie Tyrell. And, and he's super jacked. And he's super jacked. It's like jacked. the Olympic Village, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like these people are going to do things. But you Peggy, can't help it. Peggy sees and she's like, oh, maybe he is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think that they get over that at some <laughs> point. I don't know. Anyway, final mission. The Nazis are trying to fly a plane. Yes. They want to blow up America, but Steve Rogers now knows where their base is, so it's a race against time. Steve and his buddies in what might as well be a montage, because it's just a sequence of them sneaking into a base, just like get into this base. There is a shot in, I think it is this action sequence. It is right around this, yeah. Where... Steve, it might be the worst single shot I've ever seen in an action movie, and that's why I'm calling it out yeah. during the recap, because it was so disappointing, where he is running, and we see him leap over something, yeah. and they shoot this leap from multiple angles, but then the next shot, he is just standing next to somebody. <laughs> they never show him land, and like, and it is the shittiest, most oh, sloppy cut I have ever seen in a movie. It was terrible, and it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, we're like punching dudes, Captain America, yeah. Momentum, then, it feels good. <laughs> like He's jumping. He's going to do something so cool when he lands, he's going like, to throw his shield in somebody, he's going like, to surf on it, like Link in Breath of the Wild. I don't know, it's going to be cool, and he's just... He just stands somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely disappointing. Oh, man. It, that, more so than any montage, really killed my momentum. Yeah. Uh, 
But anyway, we're at the final boss fight. So he gets on this plane as it's taking off. Red Skull is on the plane. There's nuclear weapons on the plane. So he's the only one who makes it onto this plane. So he's now on this plane with Red Skull. It's like the plane is on autopilot, and they're battling it out, and they're just like trading blows, trading punches. And then Red Skull has the Tesseract, has the power cube. and This movie's power cube. Yes, this movie's cooler power cube. Rather than not touching the power cube, Red Skull just like grabs it, and then the entire sky like rips apart. Like the fabric of space-time opens up, Pretty and, cool looking. Oh, dude. This is my favorite. It's a very cool special effect It is shot. like one yeah. of my favorite shots in all of them. Like, yeah. I really... The amount of joy that this gave me, like, I woke right back up from the weak-ass action that had happened. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Because... So the sky opens up into, like, stars. There's, like, rainbow edges on everything. Yeah, and you then, see, like, the Milky Way, the galaxy, yeah. Red Skull is, like... It's kind of like, I mean, this movie is very referential to like Raiders of Lost Ark. Yeah. And this is like the Nazi melting thing, except that rather than melting, he is like disintegrated into space time by the cube. And it's sweet looking. Pretty cool. Oh, it's so cool. Then like this weird wormhole tear in space time disappears. Well, the and the Tesseract drops to the floor of the ship and burns a hole in it and just falls falls out of the plane. Like down into the ocean. Um, Captain America is like, well, that was weird. <laughs> Luckily, I know how to fly a plane. Well, he's Captain America, but but this plane is like is like going down somewhere and loaded to blow, is loaded to blow with a bunch of nuclear weapons. So he decides to fly it straight into Antarctica, or some icy the, climate, some icy climate, yeah. Canada. <laughs> yeah, Nova Scotia. <laughs> not Captain not Captain Canada, by the way. Captain Canuck. Um there, there has got to be some alternate reality. Oh, I'm sure that Marvel has like done a silly what if. side thing, yeah. right? Yeah. I that that would be a lot of fun. So he um he says his goodbyes to Peggy. I think at some point father figure Tommy Lee Jones has like given him a gruff like well done boy. I don't really remember. I but, think that happens but at some he's point. He's in the plane and he's yeah. you know, he's going down and everybody like knows that he's gonna be lost. Yeah, but they, he never he never got to go on his date with Peggy because I think that they had planned to like go out on a date or something like and that. And they don't tell he doesn't tell them where he's going. Yeah. And he crashes it into the ice place and we return to the present day. Yeah. Um, worth noting, somewhere in that p- time period, uh, Howard Stark recovers the tres- Tesseract, but they cannot find where Captain America went Right, because they get the Tesseract from under the ocean, yeah. where it fell. So, cut back to the present day, like you said. Um, we know that they have discovered Captain America's body in this, in this crash spaceship. That's what we saw at the beginning of the movie. But, when we see Steve Rogers wake up again, he is in... Um, he seems to be in the past. He seems to be in the 1940s. He's in this, uh, like this convalescent, like, convalescent room. room. Yeah. And like the windows open and there's birds chirping and there's a radio that's on and he's listening to the radio and it's like a Mets game or something like that. Yeah. It's an old timey Mets, old timey Mets game. So he immediately thinks like, Oh God, like I've, I've woken up and it's still like the forties, but then he recognizes the game as being a game that he actually attended. So he knows something funky is going on. Something funky. Yeah. And, uh, someone who looks kind of like Agent Carter or something like that comes in. Some woman comes in. I forget. I forget. Yeah, some woman comes in, but he's like freaking out. Um, I, I probably punches a wall. He goes like full Thor on the place, <laughs> and it turns out that he is on a set 
yeah. built somewhere. He like breaks through the wall. Yeah, built in some warehouse somewhere. So he like goes running outside and very quickly finds himself in Times Square, which is a real overload. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember Times Square circa 2011. It kind of looks like the Tesseract when it <laughs> opens up the sky. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, and he's just like looking around, very confused. And then he he like at some point turns around and sees that Nick Fury is just like standing there. Pretty badass. Yeah, very badass Nick Fury. And then Nick Fury says something badass and <laughs> Yes. And And says, like, you've been asleep for seventy years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Steve Rogers takes it okay. <laughs> yeah, overall. Uh then I believe we get the credits. I think then we go to the credits and we do get the card that says Steve Rogers or Captain America we'll, will, we'll return, return in the Avengers. Avengers. All right. We All will right. talk about post-credits in a moment. Matt, what did you think of this movie? I thought that the first half of this movie was charming, if not necessarily good. I would say that it's fine. Hmm. Um, I thought it was like charming enough. Uh, and then as soon as he becomes, as soon as he starts acting, somewhere in the middle of the montage where he is selling war bonds, I got bored. And the action never picked up for me again. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, but I actually really like this movie. Yeah, I so, know. I knew that we were going to differ on this. Well, so I guess I agree that the opening part is really charming. Yeah, and I thought it was fun in that. Like I understood the character's motivation, and it was just a very simple character-driven and it's, thing. And it's fun to see a period piece. To see it's a, really to fun. see the Marvel take on a period piece. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff early on. I also really like Stanley Tucci, but <laughs> yeah. like as soon as Stanley Tucci is dead, um, and like and Captain America, you know, there's the novelty of seeing like Chris Evans just like super jacked. Yeah. Uh, and the irony of knowing that he did not need CGI to look like that, but did need CGI to it look like absurd. a little boy. Well, and, and this does continue, yeah. like, there is a, a a theme in these movies of, like, I, I don't know if it's, like, latent or what, but it, it's just, there's definitely, like, homoeroticism in all of it. Oh, the, the, and, there's both the female gaze and, I would say, yes. like, the gay male gaze. Oh, totally. all over these movies. Well, and I, I'm, I like... I'm very positive on it, especially Thor and this one, which are like the twenty, the twenty elevens, well, and uh, Hulk. Hulk. Hulk to agree, but Hulk was less like about male gaze and more about like, or, or female or or gay male gaze and more about like actual homoerotic undertones <laughs> between two characters. <laughs> like, it's a little true. Yeah, this is more about like the worship and like, yeah, like fascination. Yes, with with like. A beautiful male body. Well, and I, I read recently the biography of Jan Wenner, the Rolling Stone editor yeah. and creator. And, you know, he's a gay dude. And, and a lot of it talks about how he was this gay guy and he was selling this magazine that was ostensibly just like, look at these, like, rock stars who get all the chicks. But the whole thing is just about how you're like a 12-year-old boy and it's like, you want to be a rock star, but it's also just like this very intense, like, look at this shirtless Jimmy Page. Idolization of, like, yeah, these like, sexualized figures right, right. that aren't, that societally aren't sexualized for you, but, but really are. Yes, yes. but it really is. Yeah. And and there is, somebody out there could, I'm sure, is writing a really good paper on this. Yeah. But it is, it is, like, interesting and, like, almost kind of subversive. Yeah, I would agree. In a way that like, because you would think of this as just like the most mainstream, the most straight ahead, like 
this is Captain America, and America has a very troubled relationship with the gays. You know what I mean? Yes. But here is this thing that is just like, look at this yoke dude's body, and it's all sweaty, and you're like, this is awesome. Like, this is great. I wonder how aware. Uh, And that's the thing. Are are they aware? aware, They're aware of the female gaze. Yeah. Um, I think that that's very clear. Uh, Yeah, the, the, the sort of like... Homosexual undertones, I'm I'm less clear on. Yeah, but like when Peggy touches Steve, like Ooh. on the peck, like that is that is built for the female gaze. Yeah, question. Oh, it's pretty charged. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, that that was just something I, I was yeah. thinking about. No, I think this. that that's very true, and I thought that that was that was interesting. I think that just like as a movie, yeah, the action scenes were not interesting enough to keep me on the edge. I'm I was never you. concerned about anyone's welfare. I, it never seemed as though anyone was ever getting tired or really like, yep. you know, it, they, they just kind of like lacked punch. The thing, the thing that this movie needs, and it's more punch. No, there's a lot of punching. <laughs> well, no, it needs weight behind the punches. It needs, it needs weight. What it needs is, and you know, this is so Raiders of the Lost Ark, so Star Wars. Like all yeah. of the Nazis are just straight up stormtroopers. We see they literally chop a dude up with propeller, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark style, like. It is a George Lucas, Steven Spielberg movie of that time, right? Yes. And I, I love that, right? I really identify strongly with that. And I like that kind of bloodless violence where so many people are getting shot, but like they're Nazis and they are wearing helmets and you don't so know who they really are. Count. And it, yeah. yeah, there's something... I don't know what this says about society, it's but I like cathartic. that. It's a little cathartic. Yeah. It's, it's a little cathartic. And it, it is, I'll and say it reminds this, us of clean wars. It is so fun to just be like, Fucking Nazis suck. Yeah. And this dude is just going to punch some Nazis. But what it needs is the scene, and this is exactly what you're saying, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, there's the scene with the dude with the swords, and yeah. Indy is tired, and he just shoots him. Yes, because he is He's exhausted. tired. Yes. And you get a sense of him as like, and he also just gets beat up and he's like run down and you always get the sense that like this is a dude and he could get hurt. And he's scraping by by the edge oh, of Oh, he's teeth. just right on the and edge. Even though you know he's going to survive, it is satisfying to see someone not living out a full power fantasy. Exactly. And yeah. the problem is that Steve Rogers, he just needs to get shot in this movie or something yeah. because I have no idea of his limits. Yeah, as agreed. Captain America. And I get like, okay, so he can get frozen. So he's basically immortal. And Tony's limits are always so clear. Oh, so good. It's, it, this is actually, I, it didn't occur to me until just now, but that is what's so good about the Iron Man movies <laughs> yes. is that Tony is always at some point in a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, Tony's always in a lot yeah. of trouble and it's always by his own hand. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Is, there's just like the complexity of the Iron Man movies are just heads and tails above like the rest of these you you are totally right and at the same time like i like this movie probably just as much not as much as iron man one but but just as much i I, well i don't want to give away my ranking yeah i like this movie a lot and i like it because it's super clean and super without gray area Mm -hmm. i just really wish the only weakness that we get is emotional when he loses his friend yeah and I just need something where I feel like that affects him more or he is physically less capable than he thinks he is. That's well, what I need. Yeah, I see. See, my feeling on the treatment of Bucky's Bucky's character's disappearance slash death is um, that 
going into this, unless if you really know nothing about the Marvel movies, you know that Bucky is not dead. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Okay. But you've been talking about it like he wasn't, so I was like, I guess that he's not. Well, he also don't you don't see him die, which is well, important. That's true, but like I just assumed he was dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for spoiling this for you. Um, apparently, okay. you didn't know. I feel as though the movie <laughs> treats it as though they're like, "But he'll be back. Don't worry, guys." And so, uh, like, even Steve's reaction is sort of short lived. Th- that's the the real problem is I don't get enough weakness from Steve Rogers. Yeah. I mean, I and he doesn't like get sloppy when he sees Bucky that's, die. That's it. Yeah. He never loses it. He never is hurt he is never when he is like pent up because they're not letting him actually fight nazis he really comes to embrace that everybody likes him yeah and he you you still don't get the sense that it's like he's really hurt by it he just kind of is like i love that the kids love me and then he's shocked that the army doesn't like him and then he's like i guess i'll go save my friend but it's like he just i need a little more on steve rogers and i need them to show him landing from that jump (laughs) I think that with any of these movies, like did when I was watching this movie, was I actively like having a bad time? No, not at all. It wasn't like the Hulk where there were points when I was like, I oh, actually don't d- want to be here. To compare this movie to the Hulk or even to Thor is me into this movie. This movie's much better than both of them. We're gonna disagree about this later. Oh, um, you're killing me. Dude. So, so my feelings on this are that like you watch a movie, this with any movie, you watch a movie and rarely do you remember the specifics of the plot. What you tend to carry away from a movie or a book or anything are individual moments mm-hmm. and how those moments you know, made you feel. So you get that flare of feeling that mm-hmm. you had. This movie flared very few moments for me. Um, they were all in the first half of the film. None of them were really in the second half of the film. Uh, other than like that sort of irritation that we never see him land that jump. I will always remember that. <laughs> I will remember that for the rest uh, of my but, life. Like, and like, to compare that to Thor, where... Whether Thor is actually a better movie or not, I have no idea. But certainly, Thor has stuck with me in ways that this mm. movie won't. I kind of see where you're coming from, but I do feel like the stuff in the training thing, when he gets the flag and when he jumps on the grenade, I think are really good. It's good. No, I think it's good enough. And none well, of it even approaches Thor being on on Earth and just. I being don't know. Like, it's a different kind of character. Like, it's a different it sort is. of thing. And like and so, but one is much more memorable and engaging and fam- and like and new, for lack of a better world or word, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better world, we retreat treat to Marvel weekly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whereas, like, I feel like I've seen, like, ah, he is he is slight, but he is able to figure out the puzzle. But it's a good laterally. realization of it. I it feel is. Like. It's clean. It's yes, all. It's very clean. clean. And it's all sometimes clean. And I buy want the it. numbers, and yeah, that's just not for me. Yeah. I much much prefer the riskiness of being like, <laughs> what if we put like a Norse god on Earth and he wants a horse? Like, what is he gonna do? I don't know. That's like the great risk being taken by Thor, but okay. No, I mean it's not. But like, there's much more that I remember about Thor, in large part because of Thor's humor, because the action in both movies is this, extremely forgettable to me. This movie, I think that this action is slightly better than Thor, but only because uh, Thor's is so weightless. It's a little bit better, but the the shield is better than the hammer. Oh, as the far shield as is cool like too. Things. I I'll say this. I like this movie more for the way that it made me feel about like what it could be than a little bit what it is. Mm. Like in some ways where I, there's something about like the, 
way it reminded me of movies, other movies that I like. Yeah. That I'm cutting it slack. I mean, it's it's designed to remind you of other and movies. And it does that really you like. good. Dude, you start off that, with a thing reference and then it's just a Star Wars yeah. Indiana Jones movie. I'm like, this is my that movie. Just, that just sort of irritates oh, me. Because like it, it feels it feels pandering. It is. And it feels it feels cheap. It's pandering to me though. I know. And I also like just don't like Star Wars a whole lot. <laughs> except for episode three is the best Star Wars. <laughs> anyway so okay the other thing i will say yeah. that i do like about this movie is that even more so and i talked in an earlier episode about how like when you watch iron man the whole thing's kind of color balanced toward the color tony's, of the tony's hot stuff. rod yeah and this movie more so than any of the other ones it is literally all red white blue and gray yeah, and, and muted because and it's World War II. It II. just looks so. Also, great. Saving Private Ryan. Like Let's it, add Saving Private Ryan to that list. Yeah, sure, references. but it like really in, in the, looks in like a palette? comic book. Yeah, where I mean, it's the, like they only have so many inks to use. The desaturation though is very. I dug it. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's an okay looking movie. It's good. I again like the first half. I like looking at the first half a lot more than the second half. Where yeah. it's just like these are some random forests where they're fighting things, or here's a train in a snowy place. I I agree with you. And I would feel the same way, but then I like the beginning. There's this chunk in the middle where I'm kind of like, mm. and then I like the thing that happens on the plane. Like I like the plane thing because it's plane like thing is very two cool. people. Yeah. When the sky opens up, I do like it w- that we seem to have gotten into a habit with these movies where we actually get rid of like quote unquote the big bad guy mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, because that would never be fun, really. And I, I like that they did that in Iron Man 2, and I like that they do it in this one, where it's just like, you think that there's going to be a big fight, and instead, it's just kind of like, no, we're going to f- solve this. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, what's really cool is that they don't actually solve it. When it's the sky just... opens up, Like suddenly I was like, oh, these movies are not what I think. They're much more cosmic in many ways, and, th- and, and this larger. One, I think that they actually say again in this one what they said in Thor... In Thor, he goes like, "Where I'm from, magic and science are the same thing." Yeah. And in this one, I believe that a character says, "Magic and science are the same thing." Yeah, that would that wouldn't be surprising. And I had never considered that as the overarching message of these movies. Yeah. But that is what these movies are about. Yeah, I mean, I think they get super cosmic, which is, I'm there for that to a degree. My, I still think that my favorites are always going to be the more grounded ones like Iron Man. But see, I think that this is what I didn't realize before, yeah. is that Iron Man is super cosmic because Tony Stark is a scientist. I wouldn't say that they're cosmic. I would say that they, they are fantasy but in like, many ways. They're, they're, I guess they're, the, they're, they're, they're what they're, they're saying... sci-fi fantasy. But like, I mean like literally cosmic. Sure, but I'm saying that they're saying that it's all of a piece. Is that they're saying that like... A wizard is a scientist a operating okay. by different rules. Yeah, a wizard is a sp- scientist is a spaceman. Yeah, like they're all the same thing, and I it's it is a weird way to think about fantasy. Yeah, I would agree. And it's a That's very it's a very like Star Wars thing where you go like, what is Star Wars? Star Wars is a bunch of space wizards, but they're space wizards who like the lore is like build their swords out of circuit boards and gems, right? Like yeah. there's like somebody has to make this thing physically. It's never like they're I mean sometimes it is just magic. Well, it, it's the become force is it's magic, become yeah. more magic. Yeah. I mean the, the force is there right in the, the beginning. The force is just magic, but yeah. <laughs> But like there is magic but also like there and I guess that this is the difference, right? Like in Star Wars you're like 
man, they really screwed Star Wars up when they said they were Metachlorians. Yeah. And they gave you a reason for the magic. Yeah. Like, they were like, science is magic. In this... I mean, they were really like, genetics is magic. Well, yeah, but yeah. they're saying that there's like a scientific reason for the magic. Yes, yeah. Here, they're coming from a place of, there's always a reason for the magic. And I think that that's kind of, I'm, I'm into it. Like, that's, that's weird. I had not considered that before as like the unifying thread of all of these insanely disparate Things. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that will evolve as a theme yeah. as we go along. Well, it's clear that it is a theme. Yeah. So, um, how are we going to do the power rankings? Do well, we start do we having wanna... individual power rankings, or do we have no, to argue we have this? No, we have to. There is only one list. Oh, God. This is the point. All right. Okay, but before we do it, do we want to talk post-credit? We'll talk about that after we do that, because we have to power rank the post-credits, too. All right. I think that this movie is number two. i I think this is the second best marvel movie so far. number one is definitely iron man yes 2008's iron Man. number one is iron man my number two the current rankings for those at home are iron man iron man 2 thor and then in 23rd place the incredible hulk (laughs) so we agree that iron man is first yes i feel that iron man 2 is second do you think that this is third no, I think this is fourth. Oh! But I'm willing to give you I'm willing to give you third on this because this is definitely not second. It doesn't have half I can't believe that you think this is second. It doesn't even have Tony Stark. What? The prerequisite for placing in the top five can't be has Tony Stark I mean, in it. But like <laughs> considering how important Tony Stark is to like anybody's enjoyment of these films. I see I I think that if this movie came out on its own, like this is a this is a solid movie. This is an enjoyable movie. Yeah, I <sighs> and I, I think that this is a better movie as a standalone movie than Iron Man Two. And But we're not we're not grading these well, as standalone. No, movies. but I'm saying that I, I enjoy meeting a new character who is different than Tony Stark. Like less interesting? He's currently spent, less interesting. We spent thirty <laughs> minutes talking about how much less interesting he was than Tony Stark. I can't dispute that, but I, but it caters to your weird taste yes. in in like r- yeah retro in retro retro futurist film. adventure yeah. movie yeah yes exactly I'm not gonna budge on <laughs> Iron Man two in second place but I will give you third place for this because I can understand an argument where you would say that this is better than Thor I I definitely Thor. think this is better I prefer than Thor. Thor I can't believe that but. <laughs> Like that actually is shot. Like that is more offensive to me than putting this at number three. Like the idea that it's even a debate between this and Thor for the sake disappoints of, me. For the sake of time, can we agree? Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, there is nothing Thor. in this movie that is as bad as him and Rhodey fighting to that music in Iron Man Two. I'd say that when he doesn't land, <laughs> <laughs> that is. Pretty bad. <laughs> I agree that that is exceptionally bad. And while the fight with Rhodey is like tonally completely off, offensively bad. I would not. I would not say offensively. It bad. should it's be just the really best dumb. part. Oh, it should be like the emotional I agree, core. I agree that they totally. I, I agree that yeah, they botched that. But I mean, for the sake of of the brevity of this podcast. All right. All right. I so, disagree with this. I just want the record to show. I mean, I disagree with it too. But, I can't but believe to, you're that high on Thor, dude. Fine. All right. This movie is in third place, but I'm not happy about it. So our current power rankings stand. Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Captain America, the first Avenger. 
Thor. <laughs> and then in 23rd place, The Incredible Hulk. Yes. Uh, what'd you think of this post-credit sequence? Uh, so post-credit sequence is Steve Rogers is punching a punching bag. Yeah. And he like punches it off the chains, Chains. which is pretty cool. Then Nick Fury shows up and says, how do you feel about saving the world? Yeah. And then immediately we cut to a trailer for the Avengers that says next summer. Yeah. Like the actual theatrical trailer for the Avengers. This is taken as a whole my least favorite out of all of them the actual part of this that is the post credit sequence where he's punching the bag and nick fury shows up and is like let's save the world i think that's pretty bland it's i i like it in the sense that i like that i like that there's like this pattern to the post credit sequence there's where no, he there's shows no up. hint at like what the larger story like at least like with thor's hammer it was like oh there's something cool going on that yeah we'll have to find out more about well in this one we know that the avengers are going to save the world yeah but then they show us the trailer for the Avengers and undercut whatever interest or gravitas that had because it's like, oh, I guess that this is how they're going to do it. Yeah. Here are some scenes from it. <laughs> it's so bad. It's I, really bad. It is offensive to the idea of the post-credit sequence to just tag that trailer in there. Like, I hate it. I agree. I it I it's it is offensive. I would agree that this is offensive. And so, rated as a post-credit sequence, I like this more than Thor's. Oh, it's uh, at the very bottom of mine. But then with that Avengers thing in there. Thor's is not very good. But like, yeah, the Avengers, if yeah. you include it as a whole, because at first I was like, oh, did they just tag this on to like the, I also the thought home that. release of this? Yeah. But we implies, looked into it. It seems it, like. It seems as though this is was with was within the theatrical release And it's too. bad. And I think that that drops it to the bottom. I agree. Yeah. I, don't I think can't believe power this movie them, is in third place. Yeah. It's just going to get worse from here. <laughs> it doesn't deserve that. But Okay. All right, you want to take a break and then talk about some video games? Yeah, I'll see if I can simmer down. <laughs> All right, do you have any bad opinions about video games? <laughs> um, I recently played the video game for Iron Man 2. <laughs> Did they make that? I think there might have been like a mobile game or something like that. I'll bet you that's not very good. <laughs> no, I have been playing, uh, per my promise on the last podcast, I have been playing the Switch game Fire Emblem colon Three Houses. All right. I really don't know anything about this, but I've enjoyed previous Fire Emblem games. You would like this one a lot. <laughs> this is, bar none, the best Fire Emblem game I have ever played. How many have you played? I've played three now. This is my okay. third one. Yeah. Um, it is, by, by I think most people's estimate, the best Fire Emblem game that's ever been made. Wow. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. It is just... It is time consuming but more importantly it is life consuming (laughs) in the way that like any good media is Mm -hmm. whether it's a book or a tv show you just kind of want to be in that world and it is a world that you can sink into you want to think about different parts of it yes you want to continue and it it always like like all good storytelling it implies that its world is always slightly larger than what you're actually able to interact with tesseract moment yes you it's it's you yeah the universe regularly opens up so Um, what what is fire emblem for somebody who has no idea fire emblem is traditionally a uh series going all the way back to like the late 80s a series of games developed uh, usually internally at Nintendo uh, that are just strategy RPGs wherein you it's glorified chess you have a bunch of guys on a board your enemy has a bunch of guys on the board you move the guys around the board some guys are better at attacking other guys than you know archers are really good at, at attacking flight units there's like a rock paper scissors it's dynamic a, yeah to it that's played down a little bit in this one and it's more just stat heavy okay um 
so this one is a little bit more role playing than than rock paper scissors and like it's it's sort of stat based RPG elements. Interesting. It leans more into like I guess you could say like the D and D model that like Final Fantasy and stuff take from. Um, later games in the Fire Emblem series introduced a certain visual novel style relationship mechanics in which you built closer and closer bonds with the people that you fought with and would have conversations with them outside of battle. Well, so like in between advancing the story and fighting battles, you also like are just watching these sort of cutscenes where two characters will interact. Well, and you're like pairing them up, right? To a degree. It kind of happens more naturally on its own in this one. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, yeah, in past games, you would kind of pair them up specifically. Mm-hmm. Um and they could even get married and have kids. Yeah, which, which I liked in the a old neat one. mechanic. Yeah, this one does not have the pairing and marrying of people, and it it doesn't have the kids either. I think to its benefit because it is much more focused just on the core relationships. Um, there's this element of the previous ones where, like, because everybody could get married, there was always like an inherent romantic relationship there. Yep. So you could always get them to S level. It goes uh, C, B, A, and then you could get S was the highest ranking like level of relationship, and people who are at S level would fall in love and have kids. In this one, you don't. Sometimes you can only get up to B. Uh, sometimes you can only get to C. Sometimes you can get to A, and only occasionally does the main character have people who they can get to S rank with, and so. Sometimes, more realistically, you'll have like characters who don't get along in the beginning, and they just get along slightly better oh, as that's it goes interesting. along. So it's not like everyone has the, is capable of falling in love. I like that. Yeah, I think it's really good. That's and better for storytelling. Along those lines, there's a slightly smaller cast than in past Fire Emblems. Uh, it's still very big. Is there still permadeath in this game, though? There's still permadeath, yeah. Because, yeah, that's a big feature in the old yeah. ones. I mean, like, you can turn it off if you want. See, no, but you're not playing Fire Emblem. But then you're not playing you Fire Emblem. Yeah. I agree. Um, this game also introduces the ability to turn back time, which is actually in many ways very clutch. Uh, not just for saving, <laughs> permadeath, fit, definitely. saving your guys, but it actually becomes part of the strategy of the game. That's cool. In a cool way. Does it? Is it something where it's like a rewind where it, the actions you took in some way still stay on the board or something? No. It is okay. you directly rewind turn by turn by turn, but it's... You are often experimenting in this game, mm-hmm. and so the ability to rewind is like really key. Can you do it unlimited? That way. No, you times? can't. Okay. You have a certain number, and that number grows up as you play the game more. Oh, interesting. Um, so you can, it's kind of like another stat that you can boost just I to see. allow yourself to do a number of rewinds. And you see how the rewind mechanic works also in cutscenes and stuff like that. So it's part of the story as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the big innovation for um, Fire Emblem Three Houses is, are the three houses. The game begins with you becoming a professor at this military academy called Hogwarts. Garrig, Garrig Mach. It is very Hogwarts. And there are three Hogwarts. individual Hogwarts. There are three individual um, houses at this at this military the academy. The titular three houses. Three houses. <laughs> you might have heard of them. Um, and as a professor, you have to choose which of these houses you want to teach, essentially. So oh. you become, you kind of like become the professor to these students, but you also form like emotional bonds with them. You're about the same age as them. So if like, you pick one house, do you not meet people from the other houses? No, you spend a lot of time talking to people from the other houses, but they won't fight with you. Oh, initially weird. at least. You can win people over to your house by kind of like hanging out with them a lot, talking to them a lot. In the interstitial In the interstitial stuff. stuff. Okay. And this expands the interstitial stuff by actually, like you can, you teach, you um, 
there, so there's teaching sections, there's sections where you can have a seminar taught by another professor that you can sit in on. But the real joy of this is that there is um, an option to several times a month, you can, if you want, uh, wander around the grounds of the mo- of this military um, academy, which is also like a giant monastery and and, okay. and everything like like up on a mountain, and you get to actually walk around and talk to people, kind of like more in real time than normal. And you might find lost items, like someone might have like dropped like a book or something, and you're like or, like a book of ghost stories. And you're like, oh, Mercedes, she loves uh, ghost stories. So you bring it back to her, and that like you get more points with her as a result. Gotcha. So um, there's all kinds of small activities like that. You can garden, you can fish, you can cook. It's with like a real students. RPG. So yeah, but it's always in this enclosed space, and you get to know the grounds of the school really well and you like you can go into individual people's rooms and as you gave them like flowers for their birthday you'll see the flowers that you gave them in oh, their room oh that's cool yeah there's all kinds of nice little touches so i will say this game is like very cozy initially mm-hmm. it is kind of like very hogwarts and true to the harry potter books it reaches a point i'm assuming that maybe i'm somewhere around the mid game right now and it reaches a point where it gets dark and dire and intense and a lot of the coziness is sort of subverted in a really interesting way and it forces you to make legitimately difficult decisions that are full of gray like very gray area decisions that i can't remember the last time that i so badly wanted to load up an old save and like oh, wow. see what happened if i went in another direction you feel as though it's really affecting hugely okay to the point that there is one major and very fun battle at one point that's in the game where i assume that you will either be on the i was on the attacking side but there's a choice that you can make that i bet would put you on the defending side (laughs) so you would literally have a different view of this of not only the conflict but literally of the battlefield and of the people probably and of the people involved wow i am i don't want to spoil too much about it because i i think it's absolutely fantastic okay i am in awe of it my only complaint initially was that no i have two complaints one is that um i think it's it for a little while in the mid game it's a little bit too easy and then there's suddenly a difficult difficulty ramp. i feel like that's always kind of a problem with fire emblem because yeah. like it's very hard for them to balance against you because of the way that you might have chosen to level yes exactly and then so you kind of always end up in a situation where it's not clear if you're like hilariously overpowered or just overpowered for this fight and i think that that's there's just like a leap in difficulty yeah um around the midpoint that i'm actually enjoying because it was getting a little bit too easy mm-hmm. so now like i'm no longer lying down on the couch and playing but sitting up on the couch yeah and playing. Um, my other complaint is that as the months change and it gets because you go through the various months and the seasons change and stuff like that you get these cool little intros that are like have these like fully like little painted like Mm -hmm. illustrations that like introduce each month but as you wander around the monastery it's not like snowing in the winter like it always looks like it's springtime which kind of pisses me off (laughs) i get that yeah i was like really disappointed because i was looking forward to like i can't wait to see like garrick mock monastery in the fall but that makes sense that's because they made it a real place because they made it such a real place that's i mean that like there is like a dissonance there that that i found i found really disappointing i get that uh but like i cannot recommend this game enough i gotta check it out it is right up like it is not as good of a game as breath of the wild holistically (laughs) but it is enough of a reason to buy a switch Okay. Like this game is is if you you know everybody's monetary situation is being different. This game is worth the three hundred fifty dollar price tag for for like getting in. Cause yeah. It's a big chunk of well, game. Well, now with that new switch coming out, yeah, it's even less. Yeah. 
Yeah, I cannot rec- recommend it enough. I also think the aesthetics are really good. I there was a guy playing it on the train next to me the other day, and I was shocked by how good it looked because the last Fire Emblem I played was on the 3DS. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, the Switch is way faster it's than a 3DS. Very economic with its. It use looks of, good. It looks yes, it's very smart. So much of this game is very smart, and it's clearly made by people who have been perfecting mm-hmm. this type of game for a long time. And nonetheless, still took risks in this mm-hmm. game that I really admire and impressed by. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I uh, I know we're gonna hang out with a friend later who's also playing, and I can't wait to like talk to him about like mm-hmm. his experience because also like people are going to have such very different experiences playing this game because they're going to be going in such very different routes. That's crazy. Yeah, I yeah I can't recommend it enough. Honestly, the biggest I mean probably the biggest issue with it is that it is a time sink, but there's no rush to play it because oh. whatever spoilers exist are going to be so different for everybody. That like you could carve a path that like none of your friends have carved. Beyond that, it's on the Switch. So if you have a commute, yes, it's perfect for a commute. That's why I should get it. Yeah, I I I would love to know what you think of this game. I really look forward to. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I know. Get it. Yeah, I know you've been you've been spending your time outside video games recently. Yeah, I've been practicing the guitar, trying to learn how to shred. Yeah, you actually explained to me with a video what I showed you is a video of Steve Vai, and I'm like, Steve Vai totally sucks. Well, I realized that like I didn't know exactly what shredding was, and you tried to explain it verbally, and I still didn't understand. And then you played a video, <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what I thought it was. Yeah, this man in leather pants with a very pointy guitar <laughs> is just very fluid with his fingers and failed to write a song. It just sounds, yeah, it sounds like a water fountain of noise it is so incredible because it's always like kind of aggressive and fast and guitar-y yeah but, but intricate it and intricate but it actually kind of just sounds like elevator music <laughs> it it's, does it's always like so agree. smooth yeah that it doesn't actually sound like rock and roll at all i would agree with and that. it's like for weird jazz idiots anyways i just want to get faster on the guitar and those dudes make instructional videos that tell you how to do that it's so. kind of like watching a let's play well, except that if they you literally are practice, let's play guitar, yeah, but then they show you how. <laughs> yeah. That's what let's plays do. Do they? Yeah, well, they you don't like know how to get past you. the plays. Yeah, you know it's different tactics. It's kind of a video game, the yeah. video game of life. 